Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone Rochefort, and I'm joined today by Senior Tech Correspondent at Mashable, Christina Warren, and Head of Development at Giant Space Cat, Brianna Wu. But first, we're going to have a very special reading from dear friend of the show, Leonard Delaney. Dear friend of the show. Dear friend. Dear best friend. friend. This is He's... the long-promised excerpt of Womanized by Idris Elba playing James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Which is available now. Wait, wait, we have to give listeners some feedback, like some background on background. this before we start. I, I don't know so. what about the title Womanized by Idris Elba playing James <laughs> Bond <laughs> is unclear to you. So so uh, this is the author that wrote the, uh, the wildly popular classic of Western literature uh, taken by the Apple Watch. Which is now being introduced in certain colleges as curriculum. Right. Oh, it's, 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 it's a classic. And uh, this is his, uh, his new masterpiece. So yeah, and Simone, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So thank you. Thank you. I'm, thank you. I'm happy to serve. Awesome. The name's Bond. James Bond, <laughs> said Idris Elba. Cut, yelled the director. That was fantastic, said the director. You are the perfect James Bond, and everyone is so happy that you were finally able to play this role. <laughs> Thanks, said Idris Elba. Suavely, I feel like I was born to play Bond. Don't get, don't get carried away. I'd like to emphasize that you are only playing the role of the fictional character James Bond and not, in fact, James Bond. Idris Elba gave the director that, I'm cooler than you and I could crush you using a combination of muscles and social influence, eyebrow raise expression that he's so good at, then grabbed a shaken martini from the craft services table. The director backed away slowly. Emmy watched from the shadows. Idris Elba's eyes just melted her gooey insides. No, she whispered to herself. I can't get distracted. I have a job to do. A tiny plastic cup bounced off her head, leaving a wet mark there, then fell into the plastic bag she was holding. He shoots. He scores, blurted Shia LaBeouf, who played the villain in the film. You talking to yourself again, garbage girl? Emmy held her tongue, but her muscles flexed with the desire to slap his weird face. <laughs> she shot LaBeouf an icy glare with her pale eyes, then swept her dirty blonde bangs aside to wipe the splotch of pudding off her forehead. What grown man eats pudding? Idris Elba approached her. He carried a couple of junk food wrappers that the crew had left lying around and politely placed them in her bag. Figured you could use a little help with the rubbish, he said. His English accent, which was very authentic in my reading, tugged at her soul. <laughs> Emmy found herself blushing. Don't get distracted, don't get distracted, she thought. I'm very distracted, she said. Idris Elba raised one eyebrow. I mean, I'm very grateful. Grateful is what I am. All right. Emmy, right? You have a good night. <laughs> she smiled and nodded and sweated. He knew her name. That was so cool. He was so damn cool. But it didn't matter because she had a job to do. And that should tease you a little bit about what will happen in Womanized by Idris Elba playing James Bond. <laughs> I can tell you that a, an event, a coital event happens on gold sheets and um, muscles ripple like ruffles. And it yeah, is a yeah. definitely a work of literature on par with um, the iPhone. The uh, Sorry. I <laughs> <Yeah>. watch. <laughs> so we're worried about you. Uh, you shouldn't be. Clearly, I have an Oscar that will be waiting for me in okay. the mail when I get home. Okay, it's it's inevitable. At I this was point. born to play multiple people, <laughs> reading one manuscript. 
So I, I have to know, we are four minutes into the show. We have not heard from the, the esteemed Christina Warren yet. How are you, Christina? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. Yeah. With all kinds of Apple stuff. Yeah. At work. So I had, you know, phone review and then, um, you know, iOS 9 review, phone review, uh, OS 10 review. Um, and now there's like new other products out. So it's it's like it's, it, we're entering the, the super busy season with work. But mm-hmm. but I'm good. I'm super good. I have my pink phone, which <gasps> is really all that I care about. So yes! I mean, you know. Is it everything you dreamed of? Is it everything? It is. What color did you get, Brianna? Brianna, you Mine's have to... going to be here eventually. It's oh, going to be here okay. eventually. So I'm just, I'm waiting. What color did you get? Pink, of course. Okay, Are you okay, kidding me? Okay. Are you kidding so we me? All, so we're all, we're all pink? We're all rolling pink this year. This you is know? terrible. It's, it's got to happen. Yeah. Hopefully we'll never actually be in the same place at the same time as we have up no, to this point. It's like, it's like Jedi's using the same color lightsaber. <laughs> on right? Wednesdays we wear pink, you guys, and it's Wednesday, so come on. I was looking at those case to five cases uh, that uh, Serenity recommended last week. They are gorgeous. I am definitely going to get one instead of doing what I have been doing and throwing my phone in my purse <laughs> like a common beast. I will put my phone in a case like after you pry it from my cold dead hands <laughs> because <laughs> I think that is just so terrible. I don't understand it. It's like, I, I want to protect it. Yeah. I've dropped mine before and like, it's it's scary. I haven't broken a phone yet, so I, I really want to keep that going, and I live in fear. My iPhone is battle-scarred. No, it's it's battle-scarred and glorious, just like my Honda oh. Accord. It is. <laughs> <laughs> my car can be battle-scarred and glorious, but my, my phone needs to be red carpet ready for when I receive my Oscar for That's this true. show. That's true. That's true. All right, so before I start the show today, Christina, Warren, I need a hot take from you. I need a yes. hot take from you. People. What is your hot take on that? <laughs> <laughs> is this the apocalypse? Because I'm I'm effed. Like what's this app comes know. out? Yeah, I, it, it's it's so insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Glenn Fleischman said that they they will probably be litigated out of the water if they actually try <laughs> to launch it. So we have, yeah. in fact, nothing to worry about, which seems All right. All right. legit. But oh my god! Wow. So <laughs> because if you to explain people, to the audience yeah, uh, yeah. what people is, it's a it's a proposal. It was just proposed, right? So it's an app yeah. that allows you to rate people like you would rate a business on Yelp or something, which as you can, as popular uh, as Brianna Wu is, uh, we are not excited about the possibility of an app like this existing. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, look, I, part of me loves the idea because it's one of those ideas that you would come up with, like just to be a, a right like right. it's just one of those things like you would say but it's not something that would ever be real right like yeah it's, yeah i mean come on it's parody I mean, look, worthy not, i mean hot it, you would think it was a parody i mean like hot or not was was bad enough but like at least you like like opted into that yeah you know what i mean yeah like you submit your photo and other people rate you but now it's just like i'm just it's like okay at this point as funny as this might be in theory, this is just nothing but but a huge yeah. amount of bullying. It's yeah. all, really yeah. all this is. Yeah. Yeah. This is just going to be, no matter what the intentions are, there's absolutely no way this doesn't end um, with like a bunch of, you know, really terrible situations. Oh, well, yeah, because who really goes out of their way to like pause? Who would go out of their way to positively review their acquaintances? I feel like you would only really use it. I will positively review you, Simone. Oh, if thank this comes you. out, I will positively review you. I would be too lazy. 
Oh, right. I mean, because it's kind of one of those things. It's like you can rate somebody as like hot or whatever. But yeah, but just exactly. You're right. You're right, Simone. It's like it's one of those things where, you know, you're probably only going to use it so you can, you know, be terrible about someone, which is fine. Or at least the ratio of people who are going on to drag people would be greater than the ratio of people who are going on to like genuinely leave nice thoughtful reviews of oh totally well i mean look i mean you, so i'm reminded of secrets which oh. um i did which i did enjoy uh for the first few uh months and then no one everyone stopped using it and but i enjoyed it for the same reason everyone who used it and liked it enjoyed it i enjoyed it because of the freaking gossip okay <laughs> i enjoyed it because of the nastiness and the meanness right i'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not I, i'm not a perfect person i'm not above having those things where you're like oh yeah i think that person's too and talking about it privately like i'm not above that or or or, or, or sharing gossip about why so-and-so was fired or why something happened or or, or mm-hmm. you know this, this this is being released like i get that whole impulse but that thing crashed and burned for a reason because at a certain point it just they even realized they're like okay this is going to become a liability and then it just became a gay hookup site at least for, for me it literally just became a place where gay men <laughs> in my network were meeting and I was not the only one who that happened to. So I think that it like became like it was a really interesting thing where just it was like a, a pseudo anonymous app at that point because everybody basically knew who the, all the other people were. And there was some serious drama that I would see sometimes from like nearby places, which was always fascinating. But like, honestly, we don't need another grinder. Like we, <laughs> we have one already. And and so I, I don't know. I, I guess I would say this, um, you know, like I, I have two thoughts about it. First is like as an employer, I've fired a lot of people, you know, it's just invariable. It's inevitable of running a business, like not everybody works out. And my unenviable job is to get rid of people that aren't a good fit. You know, it's not something I enjoy. It's the worst part of my job, but I have to do it. And, um, but you know, that's very much a, I can imagine for me personally, that being like a one way street where it would be beyond unprofessional for me to go blast people that I absolutely could with Uh really good measure. But of course, I'm not going to do that. On the other hand, like I have some people that we fired and are legitimately angry at me, right? And I could see that really turning into a problem for employers. The, the one good thing I can see about this, and I think it's somewhat sabotaged by the fact it wouldn't be uh, anonymous, but, um, you know, I was talking to Maddie Myers about this the other day, uh, and it's like, so in the game industry, there are certain guys at work here that all the women that work here, we know to stay away from, right? Like right. it all happens with whispers and like, don't talk to that person. Don't yep. work with that person. You it know, happens in the tech industry and the journalism industry too. Okay. And, you know, having something where that information could be shared with other people would like yes. be helpful because right. it's truly a mystery to me how some of these people keep getting jobs. Oh, you know? you're, you're, you're not <laughs> so, wrong. But, but yeah, I would almost yeah. say, I mean, so the anonymity part kind of ruins some of it, but I, I would honestly say like, at least for, for me, how that happens, because a, a friend of mine, she had a, a really negative experience with a guy who works for a major publication, and um, she wanted to, like, warn other people about it. So she went public, and um, her bind- our, our Binders Full of Women Facebook group, um, one that's, that's targeted at our industry, and named and shamed the guy. Hmm. Um, I mean, I don't think that's for everybody, and, and there, there are certainly pros and cons to that, but that was in a group of women that's a private Facebook group where you know it's not open for everybody to see but it's more targeted than just like having you know a glass you know um uh, you know a glass door 
you know, for, for individual sort of thing. Yeah, no, Christina, I think that's, uh, I think it's really well said. So um, I don't know. I, 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 I think this is something that's going to hurt people more than it's going to help any completely. situation. So, but I, but I also don't. I think the the one good thing that I have like a, a good feeling about is that right as you said, right now it's basically just a kind of a, a an idea. Um, I think even if this does get productized, the only way something like this works is if it actually gains mass usage. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that without anonymity, there would be enough. I think kind of fear yeah. that would prevent a lot of people from using it. Um, yeah, I'm desperately trying to not say people, but there's, it's hard not to in this circumstance. <laughs> um, so I, I do honestly think that it would, it, it would prevent a lot of users from even signing up. And if no one's on there, then no one cares. I mean, that's, and, and the thing is, is that even you look at whisper, you look at secret, you look at some of those other apps, you know, they've, they've kind of crashed and burned because you've got to continue to, to, to keep users engaged. And so, um, unless you can gain mass appeal, I, I don't see that it, it even, so at this point, I guess I wonder, like, should we even be overly concerned with it? Because I feel like this is just one of those things that is not ever going to become. It, it certainly has the capability yeah. of being problematic, but I, but I feel like it's really only powerful if it's used um, by lots of people. And since that's unlikely, it's probably more likely to just kind of crash and burn. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say. It's more like think piece fodder slash dystopian fantasy fodder. Yes, but. Yeah, and I, I think that the legal liabilities of it will definitely keep anything actually from happening and the anonymity, like you said. Shall we roll into our first topic of the day? Let's do it. Let's talk. There's so much Apple news. So much Apple news. Should I just do my the whole podcast in my, my very authentic English accent? I, I, I don't. I, no, no, no. That's no, a no. Okay. We no, love you, but no. No, please don't. <laughs> please don't. So, uh, OS X El Capitan has been released, and Christina <laughs> reviewed it this week. So, this is the OS X update that I, I gather you've both been waiting for that focuses on stability and yeah. refining the changes yeah. that yeah. were made in Yosemite. Cool. Yeah. All right. Really so, pumped about it. Yeah. Yeah. Christina, you said it's not quite like a, a Snow Leopard analog because it does have some new features, but it comes close just in terms of how how stable and how, yeah, how stable it is. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Snow Leopard was the first major OS X release for Apple rather than focusing, its whole claim to fame was no new features. It was all about stability. It did actually add some new features, but but that made a much better tagline to claim that it didn't. (laughs) And um, they've kind of tried to follow that TikTok kind of release. I think Jason Stell in his review called it, you know, he would say that this would be Yosemite S if this were iPhone parlance, where they released Lion and then Mountain Lion uh, and then they released Mavericks and, and now Yosemite and, and now uh, uh, El Capitan. Um, I would say that both Lion and Mountain Lion were kind of subpar releases. Mountain Lion was better than Lion, but they were both really kind of trying to find themselves. Mavericks was the first one that was really solid. And I, I found Yosemite solid. I know some people had issues with it, but I found it, it really? a fairly solid release. In what? my personal usage, I didn't have issues with what, it. What 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 kind of MacBook are you using? A uh, 15 inch uh, MacBook Pro with Retina and a MacBook Air. Huh. I have the 2013 of that very same one, and it it's just been a nightmare for me. It's been yeah, an it might just be, it, it, might, it might come down to what our apps usage are and what, yeah. what what our other things go into it. But, but but I know that from what you've said, you know, a lot of people you haven't been alone. Glenn Fleischman again, you know, wrote up something I think when Marco wrote his article that got linked everywhere yeah. about um you know Apple. Um, um, you know, and and software quality, um, kind of pointing out some of the the long term uh, 
ongoing bugs with with um with Yosemite. Um but but I think that even though they did add some new features, really the biggest thing with with El Capitan and El Capitan, the, the naming convention, this is part of their California series of names. El Capitan is actually uh the, the big uh you know vertical rock um uh, peak in Yosemite. So that that does kind of work for the, you know, uh snow leopard um analogy a little bit. But even though there are some new features, much like iOS 9, it's kind of refinements and some new things, but really just kind of making what was made available in iOS 8 work better. I feel like that's the same sort of story with OS 10 El Capitan, where it's it's really just kind of taking the ideas they had with Yosemite and taking it to the next level, plus adding some 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 new bits, uh, most uh, notably window management, yes. uh, which you've been able to do with third-party apps for a long time, but now it's built in. So the big thing is that you can do split view, which they introduced on the iPad uh, mm-hmm. with iOS 9. Basically, the feature works I- almost identically to, I-, I think they call it the Snap for uh, for Windows 7 and, mm-hmm. and, and Windows 8 and Windows 10, where basically you can have two apps um, side by side on your desktop. Yeah. And so they're, bo- they're both running in full screen um, and they take up their own space and, and a space for OS 10 is like a virtual desktop. And you can adjust the size of the window based on the app. And it's really nice because, especially if you have a big screen, but even if you have a smaller screen, it's a nice way to say, okay, I have my mail open and I've got this document I'm working on, or I've got a web page mm-hmm. and I've got, you know, something else happening. And I can have full screen with both of these things without um, having to lose any screen real estate. There have been third-party apps that have done this for years. Uh, you know, Cinch is one, uh, Moom is another, uh, but having it built into the actual core operating system is is a nice feature. And it's interesting to me because the approach they've taken with it is very similar to what they did with iOS 9 um, on, uh, on the iPad and, and with the upcoming iPad Pro. Um, and that was kind of something that I've kind of, I noted in my review is that even though Tim Cook even said as recently in, in an interview with uh, uh, Aaron Levy of Vox um, at, at um, you know an event earlier this week, he said you know he has no plans to merge OS 10 and mm-hmm. iOS because they serve different purposes. Even though that's technically true, the way that the two operating systems are now doing things is very similar. The execution is different, but the way that things are getting done is becoming very similar. So even though it's true that they're not merging in a in a real sense. They're merging in kind of a, a you know, yeah, a metaphorical sense. sense. Exactly. Like the process, the name of the apps is similar. I mean, this is good because if there's one paradigm between the two systems, and that's exactly. that's just helpful for everyone. I'm sorry, Simone. What were oh, you I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. One of the other things that they're now moving from OpenGL to Metal, and that's another similarity. Yes, I was gonna, okay. I, I have yes, a I lot of questions about this, this Christina. I was say, yeah. yeah, I want to talk to Bree about this because yeah. that was what was fascinating to me when I was talking to them about it. And when I was kind of deep d- diving in, because at first I was kind of under the impression, okay, you know, this is interesting, and and you know, obviously it it uh, they said that both Unreal and um, Unity are working on bringing um, metal support to their engines, yep. which is great. But what's really interesting is that for years, you know, the OS 10 core animation and um, core graphics frameworks ran on top of OpenGL and then yep. on top of OpenCL. Yep. And and OpenGL and OpenCL support was actually only recently added to. Uh, uh, the Adobe um, uh, Creative Cloud Suite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only a couple of years ago that, that some of those apps started getting OpenCL support and OpenGL support, which made things run faster. Yeah, that didn't really catch on, did it? It didn't really. Part of yeah. the problem, I think, was that the, you still had Apple using two different you know types of, of graphics cards. And they still right. do that, where they have NVIDIA for some and, and, and AMD for others and Intel for others. Um, and I think that that abstraction for the OpenGL and the OpenCL stuff made it difficult maybe across the board for them to you know, like um, for 
other than Adobe, I think, who has the resources, it would be difficult maybe for every manufacturer to, um, I guess, make it work for uh, whatever chipset for all the oh, different chipset variations. And don't some don't some MacBooks still ship with integrated graphics? Or they, do. They, they, yeah. they do. They yeah. do. A lot of them do have Intel stuff, but um, which which again would kind of limit what you would be able to do with 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 OpenGL and OpenCL. Um, but what they've done with um, with with Metal, um, and and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Bree. Is basically they're building now all of the the core animation and, and, and the core graphic stuff on top of, of of metal so rather than going through open gl and open cl it's one unified runtime and and that's what everything is running on top of and so you're getting as close to to the to the metal uh, you know to, to use their, their naming parlance as possible it works on basically you know um max from 2012 and up um Mostly the Retina m- machines, um, mm-hmm. but, but some of the other ones too. And um, it's, uh, I think, you know, uh, Adobe has already said that they're seeing significant increases in stuff with the uh, After Effects. And oh, absolutely! That stuff is amazing at yeah. WWDC this year. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I, I think that that. You know, obviously, I don't think that the Mac is ever going to be a gaming powerhouse, but it, it's interesting it, that the engine developers are, are building support into their engines. Um, because but it's not really about like uh, it's not about playing games, really. Yeah. I mean, I use right. my Mac for for content creation, sure. right? Meaning Photoshop, Illustrator, Maya, Unreal Engine, particularly. And what's really, really frustrating is, um, you know, and I've I've said this to press so many times this year. I'll probably said it on Rocket, but so just bear with me. But you know, like I can have this same install of an Unreal 4 game, right? Like I can be the same level, same file, same everything, be importing the same thing using Unreal 4. And it is drastically, 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 drastically slower on the Mac side because sure. OpenGL is implemented so poorly. Um, a lot of uh, engineering reports will put the uh, performance hit to 25%. OpenGL is so poorly implemented on Mac, it torpedoed Final Fantasy XIV, one of my very favorite games. <laughs> they released that on Mac and had to pull it because performance was so terrible. It was like watching a slideshow. So this is a really big deal for Mac for, for many, many reasons. The first one is, like you said, Christina, Adobe apps. Like Mac has always been since the 90s, like uh, the powerhouse where serious creative professionals go. So if you use After Effects, if you use Illustrator, if you use Photoshop, those apps are going to run much smoothly and Mm -hmm. much uh, clearer now. And just to like tell people like Metal is not, it's, it's one of these Apple names that really talks about how it works. Yeah. I've, I've seen people complaining about how metal won't work on older Macs. And if you understand like how it's made, so the people that paid the most money in the game industry are, they are super specialists that they get paid to come in. And let's say um, if you're working on a PlayStation title and uh, they come to the end of the game and optimization kind of sucks and some particle effect is killing the frame rate, they have uh, assembly programmers that will come in and code things down there at the metal. And we mean ones or zeros. Yeah, I, Christina, I don't know if you've ever taken an assembly language course in college. <laughs> it is the worst job you could possibly have in the entire no, industry. You leave and you're just like, what did I do today? What year is it? Because your mind just can't think in that way. So, um, you know, so this is like them having to go through and per device, per every single MacBook to go through and specialize all these functions for your exact MacBook, your exact graphics card. 
So, you know, it's it's something that only Apple can do because yep. like Microsoft just has so many different permutations right. that you can't control that. Mm-hmm. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and, and this speaks to their strength too of, of doing both the hardware and the software yeah. because in going forward too, you know, they can source the graphics chips and make sure that when they're picking out their new chipsets that they're automatically updating their APIs to take advantage of it. Yep. And then I think the great thing about the Metal APIs is that it's it's, it's C++. And so that's obviously not going to be as, 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 you know, down to the metal, you know, as, as a simile, but that's, that's still deep enough and, and optimized enough for, for people who are developing towards it that you're going to get a lot of the, the benefits. So it's, Absolutely. it's really, I mean, I think that, 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 I mean, that to me, when I, when I saw that, you know, um, that it was, you know, C++ based, I was like, they were really serious about getting real performance, yeah. you know, benefits out of this and really letting people get, as you said, you know, to the metal. Um, but yeah, it's not going to work on every Mac. Um, but that's, that's how these things go. But for the Macs that, that do support it, the core apps already do it. And I think the best part is because core graphics and core animation are based on it. All of your old apps and even existing developers who don't even know anything about Metal are going to get the advantages or going to get the performance improvements. Mm -hmm. Because when they make those library calls, they're now going, you know, through... Uh, you know, a much faster route. They're not going through OpenGL or OpenCL anymore. They're just going directly, um, you know, to to you know the the, the graphics card. And so that's, um, I think, long term we're going to see some really big improvements of that. And and I think that it's, uh, I I'm, I'll be interested to see. You know, the Mac game market is is weird enough as it is. You know, it's a lot of ports and and a lot of other things. I'll be interested to see. Um, if there are improvements in kind of you know the, the quality of the stuff that can get ported, but I, I would like to hear from you as a developer who you know builds you know sometimes you build in Mac, but sometimes you also build you know Windows. If you think that just simply having that support even in the engine will make your development process better, if the engine itself can take advantage of this. Oh stuff. my God, yes, Christina. Like so, right now I'm about to leave for a two week trip out of the office, and um, I was actually going to talk to you after the show because I know you update uh, like articles for Mashable on Bootcamp because I've got yes. to figure out how to cram Unreal 3 on my MacBook in mm-hmm. like a, a Bootcamp mode. And I can't use the window, the, the OS 10 side of Unreal because the performance just isn't there. And like when, when Epic unveiled this at uh, WWDC this year, they were showing you in the engine, like as you're sitting there being a game developer, getting to work, 64 layers of effects and what that translates to if you're a game developer is just being able to do your job more quickly right so like this is it is just this solidifies the ability to use the mac as a real 3d powerhouse because we finally have uh maya and that's a really big deal. We didn't used to have that. We still right. don't have 3D Max. So, you know, when you have things like OS 10 versions of Unreal 4 that you can use natively there, it just, it, it means you can really stay in one operating system. Because for me and a lot of game developers, like we have like a Windows machine right. and an OS 10 machine. It's just terrible going back and forth behind them. Like when I pay my Dropbox fee every single month, I just cackle. <laughs> Because I must pass like 20 gigs of data through their servers a day, like on a minimum, right? Right. So, you know. You don't pay by the year? (laughs) Well, I just say, 
I, I'm saying like every time that yes. it goes through. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, big news. Metal is not to be underestimated. And, and it's I something that will affect everyone because it's not it, just it, the video and graphical stuff. It's also just something as simple as opening apps and PDFs. It is. Yes. It is. It's everything. P- PDF so. stuff. And, and I wasn't able to really, you know, I, I, I made a point. Um, other people have tried to take up, you know, John Syracuse's mantle of, of writing, you know, the, the long and, and, and fully detailed OS ten reviews. Um, that is not what I do. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I would never be able to kind of do what John does and, and I would never even attempt to. So I'd write a good like 2,500 word review for like the regular person. You know what yeah. I mean? Quick kind of to the point, um, try to be detailed, but but not, uh, you know, there are plenty of other people who are willing to do, you know, 18,000 words. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I and I all credit to them. That's just that's 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 not um, what, what what I choose to do. And um, so I wasn't able to really kind of get into the details, but I did some testing with some PDFs where I found some really, really large PDFs. And it was, uh, it was interesting. I was, I was literally had two identical MacBooks and was, had one in Yosemite and one in um, El Capitan. And they're right. I mean, it's so much faster. And that, cool. again, is just all about metal because, again, core graphics and core animation have always been part of um, how the PDF rendering works on the Mac going all the way back with, with display script and stuff. And so because of that stuff, like the, the rendering was just like tremendously faster. Huh. Which is cool. No, that definitely makes sense. Uh, I have to ask you, like, so one of my biggest problems with uh, Yosemite has been Discovery D, um, you know, which is kind of their network daemon. Which they they replaced back. They went back to the old one. They went back to the old one and closed out like 30 (laughs) bug reports. Have you, because like I, this has been the bane of my existence. It's really been bad. Like for me to check my mail i have to close down mail and like open it back up sometimes because it will time out i mean did you did you find that to be any more stable yes and in fact i'm not sure exactly what they changed but they did something with the imap processing where imap stuff tasks are now they say claim twice as fast so um in the in the default mail app and i usually use gmail as a backend um you know google apps um but i'm usually using you know mail.app and i have uh, and, and this this is terrible, but this is true because of, I have my work account, some other things on there too. I have probably, you know, I have 20 gigabyte um, uh, inboxes. I mean, my, my inboxes, if I look at my library size, like they take up 20 gigs on my Mac, um, which um, is Wow. Okay. It is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> no judgment. No judgment. Um, it, yeah. it, it is what it is. You know, um, I could make that less, but but it I have the, the space to do it, so I do it. Uh, and I did find, you know, I would run into the same thing where – Try especially if depending on what computer I was using, if it had been a couple of days since I checked mail, where I would have to kind of exit out and, and, and try it again because it wouldn't be able to catch it all. I haven't had those problems, so I, I can't say definitively that that sort of stuff is fixed, but it certainly seems to be better. It seems like they did spend a lot of time on the back end systems and, and making things better. I think that they took a lot of the criticism, frankly, that the Mac community, yeah. uh, you know, kind of put passed down on OS 10 to heart and have tried to make it better and. Um, at the same time, they've also updated some of the core apps. So the, the mapping app now has transit um, if you're, you know, in a major U.S. city or, or, or major European city or actually, frankly, a Chinese city because they have far better support for mapping stuff mm-hmm. in China than they do for, for uh, a lot of Europe, uh, which I guess kind of makes sense. You know, they, they know where their users are. Um, the uh, Find My Friends is now on the Mac. I don't really use that app very much, uh, but, but I guess that's cool. The <laughs> Notes app, which um, is actually, I think, especially – 
now that Evernote is really just I've, I've kind of almost given up on it. Notes um, has the same updates that it got with with OS with iOS nine. So you have support for you know kind of rich text like headings, and you can add in to do lists and check boxes and add in images. You can also what I really like about it is that you can save to notes from a lot of apps. So you can be on a web page or in you know pages or Keynote or whatever and choose to save that note or say, save that file directly to an existing or a new note in your notes app. And that's really cool because that creates more Evernote like functionality where, you know, if, if I was doing something about rocket, I could have, you know, a note saying rocket and I could attach audio files to it, or I could attach graphic arts or I could attach, you know, links as I find them. Mm -hmm. And then it would be available on all my devices. So that's, you know, these are, again, kind of more power user type features, but they're things that, you know, notes taking, note taking is something that a lot of people want. And um, I read a, an interesting article a couple of weeks ago where somebody predicted that, that um, Evernote would be the first dead unicorn. I don't know if I would go that far, but they did lay some people <laughs> off and close down a few of their offices uh, this week, which is a shame because I, I like Evernote, but I, I do feel like they've been in a, in a weird um, yeah. kind of place for the last year or so where their product, I'm not really sure what their vision is. And and um, I've, I've definitely had some issues with, with using them. And I feel like <laughs> Apple has come in in a nice sweet spot between kind of the you know, everything under the sun, but almost too complex version of Evernote. Um, yeah. And, and it, where it used to be just, you know, uh, kind of a, a, you know, plain text and you couldn't do too much with that app. And so now it's fitting more in kind of the OneNote space, which I think is a really good space to be in. Yeah, Chrissy, I'd say mm -hmm. it's like Evernote a few years, like what was this like last year and they started, you would go to their website and you would see like, buy the Evernote branded water bottle and yes. the Evernote branded <laughs> backpack and see our vision for the future is getting you to, Back completely into the Evernote lifestyle. I just love like right. Nike. notes. And, yeah. And the guy says, like, we want to be like Nike, but with notes. And you're like, uh, you have to admit their little elephant is really cute. Yeah. So. Oh, it's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> their, whole, their, whole, their, whole, their whole identity thing, brand identity thing mm -hmm. is, is adorable. But no, yeah, I mean, they right. went from being like, it's like, we want to be a hundred year company. Okay, great. Um, but maybe that means like getting sync to work right. And, yeah. and, Having Maybe, search be better yeah, and, and, yeah. and, you know, because I've run into so many syncing issues with Evernote over the years and I, to the point where I'm like, I can't really use this. Why do I pay for this? And I do. I pay every year. I re-up my premium subscription. I'm like, why do I pay for this? I never wow. use it. Um, so I feel like having and, – and I as much as I do complain certain things about iCloud syncing stuff and, and how iCloud works in general, I have found the syncing aspect at least with, with uh, Notes flawless in the last year. Um, or, or so. And it, it's, I think, only going to be better with um, the, the new versions. So uh, that's yeah. cool. I tried to switch over to Evernote from, I do a lot of my writing in Google Docs, but it just right. didn't, it didn't quite mesh into that, yeah, that ecosystem I'd set up for myself. And I think that Notes will much better because then that can, I can synchronize that with my Gmail and then that with my Google Docs. So it's, I think it's going to, that's going to be a big deal for me. You should use Quip. QUIP. Um, they have a Mac app. They also have iOS apps. Um, it, it, it's free to sign up. It's from the uh, from Brett Taylor, who was the CTO of Facebook. He created FriendFeed. He's also the co-creator of Google Maps. Um, mm -hmm. It integrates with with Dropbox and other stuff. You can import stuff from Google Docs into it, but I find it's way better than Google Docs. Um, nice. It also supports exporting in text, HTML, Markdown, all kinds of things that can even be scripted. It's super nerdy, but it's also super easy to use. And my favorite part is that if you want to do like collaboration with someone else, um, I find that they're, they're real-time editing stuff is far superior to That's what Google Docs exactly does. That's exactly what I want, actually. So, 
yeah, so Quip, Q-U-I-P.com. I love it. It's one of my favorite apps and I use it all the time and I try to encourage everybody else nice. to Thank use you. it. Most people use Google Docs, but I find Quip to be like a hundred million times mm-hmm. better. You should be so, like a, spade, a paid spokeswoman. <laughs> they, should, they should be like, look, we'll pay you $100,000 to come promote our product. Like I would pay that money to you to promote my product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be awesome. Like mm-hmm. the commercial would just be Christina Warren going like, "Look, you need this. this other it's product awesome. sucks. You need this. Go get it. <laughs> Buy it." <laughs> yeah, leave your leave your lucrative journalism career and yeah. become <laughs> lucrative. Okay, lucrative. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that word. So in, in terms of downsides of LCAP Attend, I know that there weren't really many that you mentioned in your review. There was like some apps don't support split screen yet, probably. Um, and there was another one. I I just remember them not. Oh, uh, it was the Google Maps not being available. Yeah. Or sorry, transit in Apple transit. Maps not being as good as it is here everywhere, which I imagine would be a bigger deal for some people, but definitely not for most users. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's fair. And I think also, you know, I mean, it's obviously that it's obviously clear at this point that Apple very much is part of the Apple ecosystem. And so yep. if you have a Mac, you don't have to have an iPhone, you don't have to have an iPad, but it certainly is better if you do. Yeah. And that becomes more and more clear with every single release, you know, where they really do kind of build the whole system around itself. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, but obviously, you know, Windows is going to be one of those apps, or excuse me, oh, one of those operating systems that works Far better with other tools, too. Mm-hmm. So Windows plays nice whereas, with others, whereas Apple is trying to get you, integrate you, you were, into its wider ecosystem. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's probably true. Uh, the, the, you know, not all apps supporting split view. I think some probably will come around. I think others, it's going to be interesting to see what Adobe does because they usually kind of have their own mm. view controller. They use kind of custom stuff. They don't use like the official um, I think what basically happens is that if an app has its own kind of, uh, you know, viewport stuff, then it doesn't support it. But if they're using the, the stuff that's built into um, Xcode, then um, it's fine. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that works. There have been some issues. I haven't run into many uh, where there's a, a new kind of malware protection uh, program. And, and so there's certain apps that don't work yet. So one of my favorite apps, uh, Default Folder X, we're, we're waiting for an update uh, for, for that to work with El Capitan, but most things should be working just fine. Um, and uh, no, I mean, it, it's a good release. I mean, I think that my TLDR, what I said in the office, I was like, it's boring, but it's it, but it's solid. It's good. <laughs> it's good. It's boring, but it's good. Yeah. And I think that's pretty fair. You know, this is not the most exciting release. But as I said in my review, I don't really think it has to be. I think that honestly, it's better at app for Apple at this point to focus on building really solid software and prove that they can make solid software because at this point they're kind of getting a reputation for being buggy, which is not a good thing because whereas their products, you know, their hardware is is universally loved, a lot of people are starting to kind of say, oh, I don't know about the software. Do I want to update to the latest thing or not? Mm-hmm. You don't ever want users to question whether or not they should upgrade. And I think that this is a really good upgrade um, and this is going to hopefully fix a lot of people's problems they had with Yosemite. Um, kind of the same way that iOS 9 fixed a lot of people's problems with iOS 8. So I, I like that they kind of seem to be taking a breather a little bit um, while still adding new functions and obviously doing a lot of stuff on the back end. I do think that the stuff they're doing with Metal 
in a couple of years' time is going to look really prescient and be really important to what the next generation of apps are able to do. Because I think having that framework built into the the OS, you know, I'm not sure how Windows deals with it, but uh, they, as Bree was saying earlier, they don't really have the luxury of being able to make a core API, you know, um, in Windows because there are so many variations of graphics cards. It's impossible. It, yeah. it, it, right, yeah. it is impossible. But I feel like this is something that Apple can really cement kind of their performance lead for certain yeah. types of things um that that is that, that's frankly you know that's that's a position that no one else is really going to be yeah. able to be in and they, they should take advantage of the things that are in their favor i i think i'd say this um i i think and i see this all the time in game development there's a tendency in engineering and consumer culture to really appease the hardest core users and what right. i mean by that is um like we tend to, when we're talking about games, you assume um, you're dealing with a player that is very comfortable with like a 15-button controller, you know, uh, really, really, really understands the genre. And I think in Apple world, we tend to listen to these voices that like really care about RSS syndication or like window management, like do your finder windows all snap back to the same right. pixel, things like that. And look, that is a completely legitimate thing. But Apple's power comes from the fact that when it turns on, it works. Like that has been their motto yes. for a really long time. So, I mean, what I feel has happened is in trying to compete with Google and in this kind of relentless drive to like get feature parity and to like not fall behind, I think that like Apple has really fallen behind on that. And I think it, it is getting to the point where users are questioning, like you said, Christina, like is is my mail gonna work if I check it? If I update to the latest version, is it gonna break Safari? Like, is pages gonna run okay? And you know, that is the that is the core competence of the OS X platform. And that is what you've got to get right. So, you know, engineering is about trade-offs. You cannot run an engineering team and choose to do everything. You have to really pick your battles and focus and, and set your resources to accomplish those tasks. Because if you try to just set it super wide, like you end up with Microsoft Windows, right? Like a bunch of stuff is just <laughs> never finished and doesn't work, you know? So I, uh, I, I'm i really excited to install this on my Mac and I hope it fixes some of my problems. <laughs> we'll have to check back in with you next week. And this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Ting. T-I-N-G, which is a really fun name Ting. to say. To say. <laughs> yeah. Ting is a mobile phone service that is here to save you money. Yeah, yeah. It's going to save you money. Uh, so it's a carrier whose goal is to help you save what you pay for cell phone service. They believe that you should be paying a fair price for the service that we all rely on to live. Um, and so you you pay for what you what you use. Uh, go. You can go to rocket.ting.com to learn more about it and get $25 off your first device or credit for Ting service. So basically what it is, is a US mobile carrier that works on the two nationwide networks, so CDMA and GSM. There are no contracts, there are no overage fees, there's no quote-unquote unlimited plans that are actually full of limits and it's the first <laughs> provider to let you have multiple devices on different network types under the same account so 80 percent of the phones made in the last two years can be brought over to ting if you're not sure if your phone 
is included in that. You can go to their website and check and see if it is compatible. And they're helping people save money on horrible, horrible phone contracts. The average monthly bill on Ting is $23 a month. What? That's a really small number. What? That's what I said. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I... Yeah, so you pay for what you use. If you use less, you pay less, and you can keep track of what you're using with your online account on Ting. So that that's a freaking attractive number if I have ever seen one. Uh, so if you are stuck in a contract right now with another carrier, Ting will offer you up to 25% of your termination fee in credit if you switch over. Um and it's super simple. You pay $6 per device per month for access to the network. And then, like I said before, you pay for what you use. So that's great for families. You can just kind of pool all your usage into that one account for multiple devices. Um, and if you want to get started or learn more about it, like I said before, rocket.ting.com. Credit to you guys for like having a really short, memorable name. That is so hard these days to net one of those. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you, on that website, also, you can double check the, if you whether you can switch your device or not. Like I said before, 80% of phones are totally compatible with it. Um, and they'll work through they'll work, work with you through getting set up, including switching over your existing number. And then you just start using your device. And they break down the usage by minutes and messages and megabytes so you can keep track of all that data yourself on your dashboard. And as I said earlier, you'll get 25% or $25. That's a different symbol entirely. Off select devices or $25 at Ting credit by signing up at rocket.ting.com. So go check that out, please. Let them know that you support us and you support them and we all support Relay FM. <laughs> Simone, you are the best. Period. Just you period. Really are. At the end. You're Thank the you. Best. You're the best. I'm glad we know. take this moment every week to tell me that. <laughs> so I would like to talk about uh, Oculus Connect. Yes. This week, if I could do that, please um, do. So I I had the opportunity to go to Oculus Connect, and it was. I, I go to a lot of conventions, guys, and I go to a lot of industry events. And this is honestly, truthfully, one of the most inspirational events I've ever been to in my entire life. And I, I left this event completely convinced in the longevity and sustainability of VR. Uh, so I finally, uh, you know, uh, Christina Chelsea, you know, you work with her. She was yes. telling me like, Brie, you've got to go do the toy box event. You've got to go yeah. do the toy box event. And I'm like, okay, Chelsea, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so I went and did the uh, toy box event. So one of the, the biggest problems with VR that we're trying to figure out is how we're going to do the controller, how people are going to interact in VR. Because, um, one of the tendencies right now, like, um, for the 360 controller demo, um, one of the tendencies for interface is to like hand you a PlayStation controller and then in VR, like you will select stuff with your head. So you see like this targeting track, uh, you know, based on where your head is pointing and you'll like move your head to select cursors, which honestly just kind of sucks. Like it's functional, but it's, it's just not a great paradigm. So Oculus um, has 
release this controller. And I had never had a chance to actually test it and use it until this week. So what it is, is it's hard to describe. So you have three finger triggers with it. So your lower three fingers will like, uh, there's a sensor on it that will detect if you're picking it, like squeezing down on it or not. And then your index finger has the same thing. And then your thumb has the same thing. So what ends up happening with this is it's not like a full on haptic glove, like in Ready Player One. But what was amazing to me in the toy box demo is I could hold my hand in front of my face and see my hands represented there and like open and close my hands and see my fingers roughly represented there, which gives you a wonderful feeling of space. If you're like doing these demos and you're like, uh, you know, doing in 360, what it ends up doing is like your body feels like this virtual controller that's floating around. Right. So I played like this Mario brothers ripoff where you're leaping around. It's really cool that you can look around as you're looking down on this, but you feel like this disembodied soul like floating through the universe. (laughs) How are you, how Um, did they do the motion in that one? So cueing yourself to move. uh, So you're just floating along with it and it's nausea-rama afterwards. Honestly, I felt sick for like six hours afterwards. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, Do you think the being able to see your hands and increasing that immersion, do you think that that has a positive or a negative effect on the nausea that you personally and other people might feel in VR? I had zero nausea whatsoever from the toy box event. Okay. I want to say that again. I had nausea for six hours later doing the typical thing with the 360 demo. Running and I had (laughs) right running, floating through the air, camera floating over the dude's uh, back. For the toy box demo, what what you do is you're like standing in front of a virtual table. So you you see someone else is doing the demo with you and they're talking to you and you see like their their mouth movements like reflected and their body reflected. So you can reach down and pick up like a toy box and stack them on top of each other. And you can pick up like a toy ray gun and shoot things and like do it in virtual space. And it is... Because you're not running around, yeah. you just completely buy the paradigm. And there was a moment, like, guys, I remember, do you remember the first time you touched an iPhone, Christina? I do. And it was just like, holy hell. Like, I, I remember when I did this. And I'm like, I am looking at the next 20 years of computing. Honestly, yeah, I just, that's how I felt the yeah. first time I had a really good Oculus demo. And right. that was even before this. I, I had that exact same feeling, though, I, where I felt, it, 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 to me, it kind of went Nintendo 64 when I first played Mario 64, the iPhone, and an Oculus. Right. Um, so I, I guess this this event was a lot, so it was partly technical. Right. And and that's important, like kind of having tech demos, explaining where it's going. Yeah, the the events I went to didn't get really granular on like API things and like Unreal implementation, which is, you know, as an engineer, that's what I'm most interested in. But what this event was very heavy on were the other building blocks of um, building sustainable virtual reality companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of talks that week with VC people. I had a lot of talks with people building um, like different companies with this. I had talks with people building like everything from filming movies in VR to Mm -hmm. like building this kind of stuff. And what was really exciting for me guys. And they're like, I know you appreciate this. When I go to an event like GDC, it is overwhelmingly dudes. And right. it was Lots of women? That, I wouldn't say it was a lot of women, 
but there were a lot of women business owners there. I met a lot of women. Mm-hmm. They're very serious about investing in this technology yeah. and building this tech. It's the storytelling potential of it. Yes. That is what VR is going to let us. That's that's I, I the totally VR agree. killer app, a story. And uh, that is, my, in my experience, what women are interested in when it yeah. comes to making games. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, Christina. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I so earlier this week, it's, it's, it's a UN week right now, and Mashable does a, a thing with the UN Foundation every year called the Social Good Summit. Mm-hmm. And on uh, I moderated a panel on Monday. Um, about um, VR, uh, specifically uh, with uh, kind of a, you know, reporting on on social good and um, kind of the way that the VR can be used um, both with, with reporting, with storytelling, with with creating interactive experiences and, and the way it can be used to kind of create empathy for situations by putting people kind of in the moment and also maybe some of the downsides of, of, of using VR uh, when it comes, comes to storytelling uh, potential, specifically when you think about like in war zones and things like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so what, I, I had two people on my panel. Um, I had a woman, uh, Gentry Lane, who she was actually at um, the Oculus um, Connect. And um, I had a, a guy... Um, Christian Steven, who uh, works for Riot and uh, shot um, something in Syria um, in a VR experience type of thing. And actually, he was then captured as he was leaving Syria and held in uh, and held and tortured uh, and then came back uh, to the U.S. um, and uh, was managed to to get the footage was kind of an incredible story about his kind of escape and how he was able to leave that area. Um, but it was we had really interesting conversations about kind of the exactly what you're talking about, but the, the storytelling potential of this stuff, but specifically not even in, in, in an entertainment context, but in like a future of, of you know, of saving the world or, or at least yeah. expressing what's happening in the world context, mm-hmm. which I think is absolutely fascinating and is one of those things that doesn't really get touched on. I mean, it's been – VR has been used a lot in for, for treating PTSD and, and for certain types of immersion therapies and, and, and things like that. But I think that when it comes – especially once the technology is – can be given and, and put in the hands of storytellers in other countries and actually – so it's not just us sending – you know, privileged white people to to tell stories through mm-hmm. someone else's eyes, but the people in those places can actually tell the stories themselves, or create the games, or create, you know, do, do whatever what, whatever the case may be, but actually tell their stories. I think it's going to be a really potentially kind of like genre changing um, event. Uh, Christian, like one of the reasons we are tripling down on this technology is the last year with Gamergate. It is, I think the really big problem with Gamergate is is a lack of empathy that I think has really come to a head in our culture. And one of the reasons why you're going to see me like really focus more on the business aspect is I think I can sit here and write articles and do appearances and do that kind of stuff. And yeah, that, that's okay. But I think to really solve the problem, to really get to the core of this I I think a lot about what the internet has taken from us, right? Right. Because in the 90s, I think like we had this this vision of the internet really uniting us. I know I grew up in a small Mississippi town and I was really lonely wanting to meet people that cared about the same things I did because I didn't care about church and football. Um, (laughs) But you look at the reality of what it is today and it's, it's just terrible, right? Like it's mean. We dox people. We threaten to kill them. We we yell at people all the time. What is so exciting to me about VR and why like I'm really passionate about working in this field is when I think about the the potential that this technology has to teach us empathy. 
like I was I was thinking about like at Google the other day, like they brought me in and I was thinking like, you know, what would be awesome would be if you could create something in VR, there'd be a training tool that would teach uh, like dudes what it feels like to constantly be talked over and belittled and to have your opinions kind of put down in small ways so they could like wake up about that stuff. And it's it's a million things like that that really it's like world changing if we can do it right. But, you know, that this doesn't happen serendipitously. Mm -hmm. Uh, This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Smile. Smile. Yes. So you hear us talk about Smile all the time. We love Smile and Smile loves podcast so they're offering everyone this massive awesome deal which is 20 percent off new licenses on their products for listeners of this show and it, you've heard us talk about the products before it's pdf pen pro it's text expander it's the regular pdf pen all this awesome stuff that makes your mac experience more awesome so you can save 20 percent on pdf pen which is the all-purpose mac pdf editor it lets you add signatures and text and images uh you can correct typos and make changes to pdfs and have your documents ocr scanned and export them in word etc etc you can also get 20 percent off pdf pen pro which lets you start making your own interactive forms building table of contents and converting web pages to PDFs. And then there is our fave text expander, which lets you create, yeah, little snippets that expand into your most frequently used words. I was just thinking about this the other day. I want to make like the typos that I always make into snippets so that they'll expand into the correct thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can have custom keyboard shortcuts and um, turn them into frequently used text and pictures. It is a really crucial app for Mac users, people who are working on their Macs all the time. Um, Smile has been a really great supporter of our show since for freaking ever. And so you can support them. Love them. Yeah, please do. They're great. Uh, you can go to smilesoftware.com slash rocket and use the coupon code rocket at checkout to get 20% off these awesome things. But you have to do that before October 15th, which is soon, sooner <laughs> than I even expected it to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's fall, you guys. Yeah, September. Uh, uh, where did it go? Anyway. Maybe when September ends and now it hasn't. <laughs> So I had a moment where PDF Pen Pro saved my butt this week. I'm I'm not, I swear this is true. So my husband could not, he was filling a form uh, for some legal stuff. He could not get it to work. He was banging his head against the (laughs) wall because preview wouldn't do it on a Mac. He was trying to like uh, pixelate it, like uh, like expand it in Photoshop. It wouldn't work because it had this lockout on it. And because Smile had given me PDF Pen Pro, we were <laughs> able to come in on the deadline and get that done. So you thank were a you. superhero. They, they did. They saved oh, our butt. <laughs> that is so great. So yeah, smilesoftware.com slash rocket. Check it out. So when we're talking about VR and telling these stories and creating these empathic experiences in virtual reality. I think the thing that sticks out to me most, I'm really glad that investors are interested in this and that there is very serious interest here because it tells me that moving forward, this isn't just a pipe dream. This isn't going to go up in smoke. We will see VR expand. But what concerns me is when will we see these experiences of storytelling become available to people in a way in in a widespread way like 
at this moment to me, VR seems like it is a very, a very um, expensive experience and experience yes. that, yeah, I mean, I can see it having great, um, great effect in an enterprise setting. Like you were talking about Brianna, where you're saying have, have people experience what it's like to be talked over. That would be crucial for creating a more inclusive workplace and allowing people to work together in a, in a more friendly way. Uh, but when it comes to sharing our stories in, in, I guess, in a more, a widespread setting, I wonder like when VR will become available to me. <laughs> yeah. To the regular people. Yeah, no, totally. Well, and, and I, that's, I think that's a great question. It's something that I, I kind of asked, you know, both the panelists um, on my panel, I said, you know, because that the theme of the social good summit was 2030 now. And so I, I asked them very outright. I said, do you think that in 2030 VR will actually be a real thing? And it will have, you know, penetrated past just, you know, people in the Western world, but but to the whole world. They both seem to think that it was. I, I'm not necessarily convinced it'll be that far. But I do think that what I would say is that if you just look at how quickly smartphone proliferation has taken place, mm-hmm. even the uptick in just the last few years, speaking about Syria again, you know, the refugee situation there where people are literally escaping this war-torn country. How are they doing it? They're going to the stores and they're buying prepaid um, smartphones. And they are getting battery packs and they're getting chargers and they are setting out, you know, across, you know, the ocean and are finding their way into Greece and other places. And they're using WhatsApp and they're using these tools at their disposal that literally, you know, five years ago they wouldn't have been able to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can do it because even when they – when it's costing a ton of money and they're having to spend all this money to to even get on these rafts, everybody has a phone because everybody has a phone. So I think the big question is not so much – I think that as technology evolves, I think maybe VR's biggest opportunity is the fact that with few exceptions, you know, I think most people kind of agree that the, the glasses themselves can kind of be just kind of the, the lens. And and I think that if you could kind of foresee that maybe not Oculus per se, but some other things, you know, the the um, the, the, the Gear VR, or, or um, it, it, it's kind of one of those examples where you could, you know, use your, your phone to kind of be the power mm-hmm. of this experience. Um, that that maybe makes it easier to think that it could get in the hands of regular people. I don't know. What I, you mean I think that's the yeah, key, like that. Christina. It's gonna it's gonna be when it, it gets down to your to your phone to power it. Um, I, I have to say this about it. So if you look scientifically at what works and what doesn't work in in VR, this is where our industry's tendencies and and legacy debt really work against it. So. Um, I didn't play Epic's demo, but it got really good reviews. Um, what is disappointing to me about that is, so Epic is one of the most important engine makers in the world. They could build anything they want with Oculus. So what did they do? They put together a hyper-violent shoot-em-up simulator yes. where you're getting guns and going and blowing up more is robots. That the one that's just on the like train? Been, or, yes, where it's yeah. on the train. Yeah. So... That scientifically is something that's very, 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 very computationally expensive. This is what's really interesting. So they've done studies. Actually, my friends that are women have done studies on this, asking like, okay, we know what the the hyper like interested consumer wants in this technology. What does everyone else want? And as it turns out, if you have simpler character models, more cartoony mm-hmm. character models. Yes. Consumers like it more. Yes. There's less nausea. 
It's less computationally expensive. Yes. And, and I think it's, right. So I, I think like moving towards that's what we need. Um, there yeah. is a 0% chance that women are going to, or really most consumers are going to use Oculus as it exists now because you like, you have to strap this big, heavy thing on your right. head and mm-hmm. like adjust it. You can adjust light it. coming you, in from the right. bottom. It's heavy. You need to have a, you need to have, you know, a, a decently powered computer. Yeah. You know, there, you're, all these things. Up, you're trapped there. Exactly. No. You're trapped. Exactly. You're not going to be able to kind of go. Um, that actually brings up an interesting thing too, though, Brie, I think about the, the fact that like the cartoonish, the more simple things tended to work better because yeah. that was a kind of a question I had and, and the thing we talked about in the panel too, which was, you know, um, there, there does become this tendency, especially as we talk about using things for empathy, where it could go the other way and you could start to having basically war porn, you know, and you could have, you know, yeah. kind of having these graphical things and have it used in negative ways too, not just for negative propaganda purposes, because that's a whole other issue. You know, if you think about groups like ISIS and whatnot, using these as, as training tools, that's kind of a scary concept concept that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be going forward and and, and and doing this stuff but it does mean that you know we've got to be aware of the good and bad of you course. know that, that comes with having all this stuff just like the internet as you were saying earlier you know it's, we wanted it to be this open place it hasn't really this inclusive place it hasn't necessarily turned out but i guess my question is you know do you think and and people studies i've read have, have kind of borne this out that i've seen probably some that your friends have done I found, at least from the empathy perspective, that the further away from the uncanny valley you get, mm-hmm. the more effective things are. Yeah. So it's almost like the hyper-realistic aspect of VR. And when you enter that uncanny valley thing, it tends to be less effective. Right. Whereas if it's not hyper-realistic, but you know what's happening, it tends to have more of an impact, it, 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 which I think is really interesting. Yeah, no, you're dead on with that. You're dead on with that. And in fact, if it is hyper-realistic... It enters into all of these ethical problems. Yes. So um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a game that came out recently for VR, and you commit suicide in it, and it freaked the frack out of so many of the users to the point of like seriously disturbing them. Yeah. So we are going to have to come up with this entirely new ethics language as we're moving forward with VR about what mm-hmm. kind of applications are acceptable here. Like I have, so the, the, the experience I had in the toy box demo, so I get like a cartoon, like toy story gun and pick it up and shoot. And it's like, pew, you know, and um, <laughs> like you see the, the rate gun bolts flying slowly towards something and shooting it. That is very cartoony. I can a hundred percent promise you that if I had a Call of Duty situation in that game, like you're talking about the good and the bad of it, Christina, the good, well, the good and the bad of it is if I killed somebody in Call of Duty in VR, that would freak me the frack out. (laughs) And the bad of it is if you do that continuously, that's going to make you, you. that's going to really F you up in a way that video games don't to this point. Right. I mean, and it's interesting because it's actually kind of has some parallels with the way that we've been using drones um, in in military where um, you have a lot of people who are experiencing PTSD now, um, not from um, actual combat like on the ground, but from um, combat that they're doing remotely through drones Mm -hmm. because it's a very different experience when you're seeing something on a screen versus in real life. But it doesn't mean that it can, that that it Mm -hmm. doesn't still affect you um, the same way and that it can't actually have bigger effects. I, th- I think these, like you said, I think it opens up a lot of ethical uh, questions and a lot of questions about how we kind of have like the the, the language and, and, and the 
the design decisions around this stuff. Um, I'm just glad that we're having these conversations because I think it's really important to have. And I like that we're having them this early in kind of all this happening. That So at the same time, we're talking about how exciting it is to have, you know, the, the games and, and to have a kind of the excitement around and people building businesses. We're also thinking about the, the broader implications, um, which I think, as you were saying earlier, Rhi, kind of makes me feel like, yeah, this is going to be something that's really going to exist. And as you were saying earlier, Simone, this is something that will be a reality. This isn't going to just crash and burn. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, Christina, this is where it's so critical that, you know, I I know Oculus is very dedicated to well at least I know there are people in Oculus's team they're very dedicated to not having the VR generation turn out like the game industry has been mm-hmm. and like the tech industry has been and they see this thing being born and seeing how important it's going to be to the future and they are working to like bring in more voices to not just have one kind of person sitting at the table. And I think it's so important because I I really worry that if we if we don't have everyone's voices there starting off, that this is going to end up just like the PlayStation and Xbox are, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like I I think this is the chance. I really like maybe I'm being like uh, you know utopian about it, but I really think this is the chance that. You know, if I see so many women that are working to like tell stories and build empathy and to work on this technology and to figure out UI paradigms and to figure out how long you need to wait for X kind of gameplay and figure out all these awesome problems that we've never thought about before. If we can get in from the ground up, I really feel like this is our chance to to really make technology a better place for everyone. So that's what I hope. So if you're going to give a piece of advice to women who are looking to get into developing virtual reality, what would that be at this moment? Let, let me be straight with you, Simone. I was talking to Cindy Gallup about this in Ireland a few weeks ago. Women tend to underestimate ourselves yes. and shoot small. Okay? And... It, it's just crap. Like I talked to so many dudes that work in the venture capital scene that frankly, I don't think are very smart. You have to believe in yourself and get out there. The truth is big businesses like Google, Epic, Oculus, you know, Facebook, all of these require dreaming big and working with working in the professional levels. And we need to stop screwing around with these companies we run in our home and get out there and really believe in ourselves and start building businesses the same way that men are building businesses. Because I'm tired of having to go talk to some giant corporation and ask them to do better on these policies when we need to be out there. We're talented enough building with stuff that works going forward. It's going to be a lot easier to build institutions that are better from the ground up than it is going to be to change everything. Mm. And we that's only going to happen if we get in there and throw our hat in the ring. So okay. <laughs> really, cool. like, get in there. Go get your <laughs> ideas. This is your time. All right. Thank Sorry. you. That, no, that was I good. Feel that like was inspiring. I've been so verbose today. I apologize. <laughs> so, speaking of throwing your hat in the ring, what are you up to this week? Uh, so okay, guys, this is the biggest professional thing in my entire life. I am giving the keynote at Grace Hopper this year. Oh my god! I'm giving that next year. Uh, next week rather. Oh my god! Uh, so I'm flying out to California. Um, so I'm doing a big event out there. 
Um, I have a, this thing coming up where, um, Hyundai worked with, uh, with Time Magazine and Entertainment Weekly. So there's going to be a big, uh, spread coming out, I think tomorrow, where they selected me and a bunch of other, uh, leaders, uh, basically where we're talking about changing the feature. So that's going to be a really big media push that's coming this week. Then I do Grace Hopper and, uh, I'm also doing GameSpeed, uh, doing an appearance out there and doing some, uh, awesome programming out there with VR. All right. Awesome. Christina, what are you up to this week? So just uh, kind of finishing up with all the Apple stuff and just, um, I guess, you know, kind of going towards other uh, kind of tech projects and and other stuff. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't even know at this point what day is. Today is Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. the 30th. Um, I'm, 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 I'm continuing to enjoy my pink iPhone is basically what it is. <laughs> What's the coolest game you've found? Oh, no. I'm still, you know, I'm still, you know what I'm still obsessed with you guys, and this is so sad that what? it's been like a couple of weeks. I'm still obsessed with that uh, Pac-Man 256. It's a great game. No, <laughs> nice. no shame. I know people on that team. Like, yeah, it's a great game. They they worked hard. Very cool. I am going to the Geekwire Summit in Seattle tomorrow. I'll see Phil Spencer Woo-hoo. speak and stuff, and that's going to be very cool. And then I'm going to spend the rest of my entire life playing Skylander Superchargers in an effort Yay. to finish it. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I am very, uh, I feel like as far as, I, I talked about this on Gaming with the Moms today, but uh, as far as setting up barriers for people to you know bypass by buying more products, uh, this is definitely the worst that I've seen. Um, however, what is there is very fun. Uh, it's definitely a complete single player experience, I would say. But, uh, as, as far as the, the racing stuff, the, the, the gates that I'm, the, the money gates that I'm finding are very disappointing. However, I've been playing it basically nonstop with my roommate, Amanda. Um, so that's a good sign. Last night we, I think we played till we literally couldn't anymore. And we were just running around Skylanders Academy, just lighting things on fire because we were so dazed and confused and we wanted to go to bed, but we couldn't stop. Uh, so that is, that is my life. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, have you gotten a copy of Lego Dimensions yet at your no, office? No, not yet. I want, I want to play that game. I am so there. sad because I'm going to have to give up my... Re- I'm usually the Toys to Life person. And I'm going to have to give up my review spot of it because I just don't have time. And I am I'm emotionally destroyed. Because I did be. play it at yeah. PAX Prime and it was really, really fun. Um, really? And I really... I want to see how it expands as a full game because to me it felt... It was really fun in the moment, but I wasn't sure if I would come back to it. But I've heard so many good things about it. I really want to experience the full thing. It sounds like a really a great use of the toys just because you can you can do things with them. You can rebuild them and things like that. So that 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 excites me. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like that. Oh, what's the name of the company that makes all those games? Is WB it- Games. Um, no, no, no. The, the specific branch that makes all the Lego games, um, Wayfarer. No, I'm, oh, I'm blanking. Yeah. I feel like I played that exact same Lego game so many times at this point that oh, I just, it yeah, doesn't matter what they come out with. I won't play it at this point. Cause there's just no play difference in those games. Yeah. Um, this looks very different to me, particularly the portal one. So I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to it. The portal interaction was really cool from the the level that I played. The gameplay, again, I I think it is very similar to the rest of those Lego games. Um, the level I played was the portal one, so it was it had those differences, and that I was using the the toy pad to move my characters around through the portals. That was really cool. Um, but then, as far as you know, 
smashing things goes. That's pretty much a, a Lego standard. So, but yes, I, I, like I said, I'm not going to be able to review it, Ugh! but I will <laughs> definitely play it and tell you guys, you'll get my own private review of it, except it won't be private. Cause it'll be on rocket. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the Simone exclusive, uh, that's what I'm up to <laughs> talking about things that I'm not doing. Um, Brianna, where can we find you online? Ah, uh, Space Cat Gal. Christina. Film underscore girl. Cool. And I am Doom Quasar on Twitter. And thanks for listening to the show. If you like it, go ahead and drop us a review on iTunes. We super duper appreciate it. And we will see you next week. Terminated. 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 <laughs>